You're locked on to DRM1 United. <laughs> Welcome to Soundbites. How are you, Peter? I'm very well, thank you, Russell. Yourself? I didn't blow your ears off today. No, thank no. goodness. Not like last week. Oh, well, it's coming later. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we are talking to uh, we are talking about paradoxes. Today. Famous paradoxes. I don't know what a paradox is, so you might want to explain <laughs> it to me first. <laughs> so a paradox is one of those things. It's one of those sorts of questions that uh, you can banter about. It doesn't really have an answer, uh, but it certainly can make for good conversation. So um, I quite like paradoxes. I like a lot of things, as you probably <laughs> guessed. Every topic that I pick, I say it's one of my favourites. And He likes the smart topics. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I'm clearly not smart. No, don't say that. I don't say that at all. I don't want to hear that anymore. Oh, I don't. No, I don't want to. You're a very broad thinker. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm more of a um creator, not a thinker. There you go. Yeah, Just and that's a, that's a form of intelligence you know, too. There's seven z- main types of intelligence. I've got to zoom in because of my eyesight's going off. Have on you still me. not found your glasses? No, they're on my desk. I just. Oh, okay. They're, uh, they're in. We're in this room at the moment. Huh? Um. Okay. So. A paradox is a statement that contradicts itself. Yep. So, so, and you probably would have seen them in. I, I don't know if you watch the same sort of TV shows I do, but uh, you know how the you know, there's an old Star Trek episode where they stump a an android by giving it a contradictory statement, like you know everything he ever says is a lie, and then the other person then says, "Listen to me carefully. I'm lying." And so the thing is, is that he can't be lying because he's always lying, but he's telling the truth, which is then. And, of course, so that's a sort of paradox. Okay, and, and what happens to this robot, this android? Oh, you know, well, t- for the entertainment it's value, smoke comes out of its ears and it oh, then collapses or some well, sort of nonsense. Interesting. They but did it on Family Guy too. <laughs> did they? <laughs> yeah, see, see I, I, I watch a lot of shows. <laughs> well, at least you're, you're watching the, the, the popular shows too, so yeah, that's I, good. Yeah, I do like my pop culture. So where should, should we start with the ship of the yes? We can start with the ship of Theus. So I don't know if you've ever heard of this paradox. I haven't. So what it's based on is that they say... No, no, sadly no. Yeah. No. Um, So Theus is a a great uh, hero and this is his ship. uh, And they... So the the paradox goes... So this is is, uh, fictitious. It's not real. Uh, So the the paradox is is that... uh, um, Historians find this famous ship of Theus... Thesis, and uh, they put it in a big uh, museum, but over time, the planks of wood that make up this ship start to rot and go bad. So they slowly start replacing each plank of wood with a new plank of wood to keep the the ship um, uh, in pristine condition. So the the paradox is, at what point, so once all the planks of wood have been replaced, at what point is it still uh, the, the ship of Theus? Um, and then there's a second part to this paradox. Because all the wood's been replaced. Yeah, so all the wood's been replaced. But then the second part of the paradox is, is that the people who run the museum have kept the old planks of wood that are started to rot. But they figured out a way to preserve them. And so they reassemble the ship. So now there's two ships. So now there's, there's two ships of uh, Theus. So which is the real one? Which one's the fake one? And which is the fake one? And... Well, is it fake? Because structurally, though, it's most probably no. If they changed all of the yeah, so every uh, every over single time, thing, every yeah. single thing. So say over a hundred years, two hundred years, uh, they've slowly replaced every plank of wood. Well, then, because a plank to me is just the flat piece, not the yeah. poles. Yeah. So yeah. technically, the the sh- the shell, the poles, 
should still be the Theos's ship. Even though they've all been replaced? So it's not a plank. No, no, but... Okay. Are you saying a, a, poles have been replaced too? A whole lot. Over time, eventually. Okay, well. so, so a new plank will have sat with all the old planks, but then eventually as they slowly start to go bad, then they get taken away. Maybe it's called the Ship of Theus 2. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I, I guess uh, one but of yeah, the... But yeah, I get it. Yeah. The, yeah, so at what point, At what is there a certain percentage that you decide that something is no longer the, the original? Um, well, it's like uh, if you take a look at historic buildings that have to be get facelifted. Yeah. So For example, the Court Hotel. Okay. The Court Hotel is really, it's heritage listed. Yeah, yeah. But is it still technically the court hotel because it's been remodeled on the inside? Yeah, and so and that's a, that's another version of of this um, paradox. So, at 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 what point do you say right? As long as it's still got one brick, one plank, one fiber, well, one thread, it's still the original thing. Well, if you go by the Heritage Act, it's as long as it's got the facade. Yeah. So. So uh, does this still have its facade? But, you know, and, and then you could have sort of, I, I wonder how far can you stretch that? Is it like the facade, the first like inch deep, two inches, the first course of brick, you know? And, and, and this is what the yeah. paradox is all about. Well, I don't know about you, but I say as soon as you replace 20%. There you go. 20%. So you've just, you've just picked up an yep. arbitrary number. Yep. And so what about the other bit where they've, Taken and kept all the old oh, planks well, and started assembling it. At what point that's of just the a clone. reassembly? <laughs> <laughs> so this is what parado- this is why paradox is a good little um, uh, conversation topics because you you can sort of really get into it and and, and actually it's, over time people have attempted to propose solutions to this paradox. So um, and, and one of those solutions is is that do we really need to um, or, or, or should we say that a thing uh, has its value based on um, the the parts that it has? So, you know, at, at what point, um, you know, is every single part... Uh, and, and I'll give you an example because I, I can hear myself and I'm not explaining it well. A friend of mine talks about, you know, granddad's old axe. Um, so yeah, she so talks about granddad's. No, listen... <laughs> <laughs> Are you in a mood tonight? <laughs> no, no. <Good. laughs> I am and, and he says, you know, so granddad's old axe, which has had the handle replaced four times and the head replaced three times, but it's still granddad's old axe. No, um, it's not. No, that's right. So, but that's how people would still refer to it. The first two it. times, maybe, but not the third time. <laughs> Come on. So, so, once you re- so, yeah, so essentially it's, it's been completely replaced. Oh. Um, well, actually, no, it depends. When, did, when was the last time the granddad touched the axe? Well, is, is, but is that what you're going to use as the criteria? So when was the last time Theus was on his ship? Uh, well, and, and he would have touched all the, well, the majority of the old planks, um, but he would have not touched any of the new planks. So, um, Unless so the next person's called Theus as well. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe that's that's how you keep it original. You only get people named uh, Theus, Theus working on, yeah. <laughs> working on it. Um, but, okay, well, that's a very interesting one because... Uh, I don't know. I, I just think that it's okay to have two ships and names Theus. Well, you can never have enough ships, I guess. As long as it has a dinosaur on it. Why? <laughs> what? <laughs> well, when I saw Theus, I, I swear I was nearly going to say Thesaurus. Right. That's so, also not a dinosaur. Yeah, but it's close <laughs> enough. <laughs> Nowhere near it. <laughs> when, when it's a book of alternative uses of words and synonyms and... 
ant and insects. And dinosaurs. <laughs> and <laughs> the dinosaur has <laughs> lots okay, of so teeth and claws no, and there was a th- scales th- and thesaurus. feathers. Thesaurus, I'll try to find it, but there was a th- thesaurus that had a picture of a dinosaur on it. It must have been the printer of the book, but the 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 logo <laughs> of that book was a dinosaur. So it still doesn't make it a dinosaur. It probably is a trademark, but not a dinosaur. It's a dinosaur, <laughs> damn it! All right, I'll, um, I'll, I'll let you have that. So okay, that, but that's the parrot. We can call that the Russell's paradox. <laughs> if a thesaurus has a picture of a dinosaur, a on dinosaur, it, yeah, does it make it part of the Cambrian era or the <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jurassic the Jurassic Park era? Yeah, okay. they're the ones who designed the thesaurus, not not us humans. <laughs> Uh, we're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Bootstrap. Bootstrap what are, we, what are we talking about Bootstrap for? That sounds like some cowboy stuff. We'll be back on the other side. We'll find out after the break. Welcome back to Soundbites. Well, that was uh, Viva Viva. Yeah, and she, uh, she certainly has that down pat. She's said it enough times. Yeah, apparently it's 12 minutes and 57 seconds long, uh, but then the other system said six minutes long. Anyway, doesn't matter. That's okay, we're uh, back. We're, we're talking about bootstraps now. and are talking we talking about the bootstrap paradox. Are we talking about bootstraps? So, absolutely not. Oh, so, if in your head you've got this vision of, of, boots. of boots and the strap. boot laces, the yep. straps... Um, you're already down the wrong path. Damn. So this is... This and actually, see, I thought I was on the right path. So every time you know, I ever had to do an assignment or anything for work uh, or be a responsible adult, I always sort of picture myself thinking, if only I could go to future me, get whatever it was that I figured out or the document or assignment I had to produce and bring it back and then I could just copy it. Um, And that's what the bootstrap paradox is. So it says, imagine that that time traveller buys a copy of Hamlet from a bookstore and then he travels back in time to Elizabethan London and hands the book to Shakespeare. So he's got it. And Shakespeare then grabs this book and goes, wow, this is exactly what I would write and copies the, the, the book out and then publishes it and, you know, says that he wrote it. Um, so the paradox is... If that happened, then who created the original Hamlet? If Shakespeare didn't create it, it was handed to him, and this time traveller who grabbed it in the future... Still Shakespeare. How? Because Shakespeare would have had to have originally written it to find it, to take it back into the... back in the days that we've just said. Unless... Unless Shakespeare never wrote it in the first place, and the time traveller brought the book first, then time travelled back to a time when Shakespeare was alive. So imagine Shakespeare, for example, this this book Hamlet is a book. The yeah, Hamlet, the, yeah. Hamlet was was made in 1999 originally. Right. But then this time traveller in 2001 goes back to. The Shakespearean time when Shakespeare was alive. Yeah. Hands in the book. Yeah. And then Shakespeare writes it. Right. It's no longer Shakespeare's work. Right. It's whoever wrote it in 1999. But then, yeah, I get the point. <laughs> I was just waiting for you to catch up to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the the original author, even though we would not know who it is, right. the original author is whoever wrote it in the first place. Right, So, but the time traveller goes to a bookshop and says, can I have a, a copy of Hamlet written by Shakespeare? 
But then when the, the but that's not the first time the the time traveler has done that. Then well, I'm assuming that Shakespeare that that the Hamlet book was not originally written by Shakespeare. That is my the the that word that I can't theory theory. <laughs> thank you. Of my axiom is actually uh, yeah what, what you're proposing. My axiom <laughs> of the world. Okay, I'm going to be smart now. The axiom, <laughs> but no, but. Yeah, it's like a banana. Who grew who grew the first banana? The modern day version of bananas, or the exactly. former versions of because bananas have gone through a sequence of hybridization. Exactly. So, which is why I can see <laughs> I, I've caught your knack of sidetracking. This is why people who espouse the paleo diet oh. seem to ignore the fact that we have been hybridizing our fruit and vegetables over the last well, ever since we. Yep. Start agriculture. Maybe Hamlet made a Hamlet. What? Maybe Hamlet, the book, was made by Hamlet. Was written originally by Hamlet. And then the time traveller took the book, went back in time, Shakespeare rewrote the book, and then... Okay. The book is now not known who writes it, except for Shakespeare. Well, that's one potential solution. Or maybe the time traveller wrote the book in the first place. And just forgot that he wrote the book because he's been on time travel loop all this time. Some sort of time travel psychosis. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know these these time travelers they well, they get a bit yeah, loopy after yeah. a while. I, I, yeah. You're uh, folding space and time to go forward and backwards, and actually the time traveler would be the dead. The future is the past. The past is the future. It all gets confusing. But the time traveler would be dead. Because you cannot, you cannot go forward in time. You can only go back in time. Unless what we're saying is that each time the time traveller goes back, it's a new version of the time traveller. You know, you are very close to what some people propose as the solution to the bootstrap paradox, which involves neither boots nor straps. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, not one, as, one I'm not as dumb as I look. <laughs> <laughs> I never said you were. I know. So <laughs> I'm the one who's saying that today. <laughs> so so okay. One, one okay. So theory, and, and this is actually this is a, a a thought experiment that has been proposed for a lot of time travel um, uh, paradoxes and and conundrums. Uh, and one of them, uh, and actually, uh, if any of you are f- fans of Rick and Morty, they would have done this one as well. Go watch uh, it. Yes. Love Rick and Morty. Uh, and Before cancel culture gets them. <laughs> you never know. I don't... Well, I don't uh, anyway. The Muppets are gone. Not all of them. Basically. All the good ones. <laughs> Kermit the Frog's gone. Is he? Yes, he got axed. For what? I don't know. Being my favorite frog. <laughs> that talks. That's cancel enough. I don't okay. know. But right. Anyway. Anyway, back, anyway to back, to, back to the topic. <laughs> okay. So, the, one of the... the, the uh, theory is is that rather when you travel back in time, you don't actually travel back in the same timeline. What happens is you go into your multiverse theory and yeah. you go back to a different dimension um, as opposed to a different time. Well, you you can't go back when it's already happened. You have to jump to another time. Simple. Avengers <laughs> told us that. <laughs> you make it sound as though you've worked out the um, physical equations to achieve this. Well, we all think that, that there's multiple Earths. Well, it's a theory that's been proposed. And there's uh, lots of galaxies out there. Well, that's not in dispute. So, technically, there could be multiple Earths. And we just cannot reach those Earths because of galaxy wars. 
walls, not wars, but well, because a galaxy is quite far away to travel, and we haven't been able to puncture that galaxy just yet. I don't think. Well, is there a spaceship out there? Well, if it is, it's not one of ours. The Hubble Telescope has. Well, no, that's no, the telescope. That's, that's, that's still in our orbit. That's not. That's not actually going <laughs> anywhere. Anywhere. Okay. So our furthest ones are our pioneers and our Voyagers. Voyager being the furthest. And is Voyager at the edge of the galaxy? It finally left our solar system, only but not the galaxy. Uh, are you talking the Milky Way galaxy? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So no. It hasn't. Okay, so when it... We, we don't have anything further out. Let us know when it does. <laughs> you want me to ring you? Because yeah. it will be waiting a while. NASA, <laughs> give us a call. They should have put rockets on the back of that so that when it got this this time, they could just fire some more rockets and blast it further. Because you got to think, there's no air in space, right? No. Which means the speed that you're going right. is the speed that you're gone. Like you've only, you're ma- you've you you're basically at maximum velocity because you're going the speed that you were going at launch of the rocket. Sort of. Yep. So Go with me there are a few things that you're not taking into account with that, but keep going. Okay. So taking none <laughs> of that stuff that you know into account, <laughs> if they had put boosters on it, right? They could have boosted it just somehow. I don't know. Theory. I'm not good with science, but boosted it so it goes faster and then maybe double the speed, triple the speed. Firstly, you've got to figure out how to explode in space without exploding because you've got no oh. oxygen. But that's why they use air canisters in space. Well, they, they would either use a chemical propulsion um, rocket for the booster or they could use something like an ion engine uh, which is a bit more fuel efficient. But was it back in those days, the voyage days? We didn't have it perfected. Well, we certainly had chemical rockets perfected because that's how we got it off the uh, out the of the atmosphere and into orbit and off. But what we used was a series of gravitational um, acceleration, which is why um, we had to launch them in the windows that they did. So what they what we first did is we launched our. Um, uh, See, all this is having to come off my head. The Voyagers had to go from Earth and then they sped towards Jupiter, picking up speed uh, from the gravity pull of Jupiter. They um, swung past Jupiter, so they had some acceleration, went on to Saturn, did the same thing, picked up speed, even more speed. After Saturn, they went to Uranus. uh, And after... after You mean Uranus? After picking up a lot more speed after Uranus, they went on to Neptune. Why are you saying ne- Uranus? Because that's how it's pronounced. It's Uranus. No, it's not. Don't be crude. <laughs> it's, <laughs> there's no comical value in that. <laughs> it's called Uranus. It's not. That. It's Uranus. Um, but yes, that's how they did it. So that's how they accelerate. But don't forget that it still has a gravitational pull. I'm surprised um, a rock hasn't hit it. No, because the space is very vast. And, and that concept of flying through um, both the asteroid belt, which is between... Um, Mercury and Jupiter and the uh, Kyber Belt which is beyond our beloved dwarf planet Pluto um, even the stellar bodies and the and the chunks of rock and ice and all that floating around them, they're still quite far apart. It, you know, the, the concept of a spaceship flying through and having to dodge all these asteroids, that, that's just... Um, Do you realise that according to and I'm just checking this, yep, okay so according to, you said rocks are, space is quite vast, right? Vast. I'm on Wikipedia right now, and I can, since this is only 2021, there has been one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25 asteroids that have come close to Earth. So if I'm just using Over that... Over what period of time? Uh, from the 1st of the 1st, 2021 yeah. to the 16th of the 3rd, 2021. Yeah, but... Uh, so... Uh, we're, we're talking tiny little <laughs> things. I'm just saying, it, we've had 20... What did I say? 25... 25? Rocks come close to us, our, us Earth. And when you say close, how close are we talking? Uh, the lunar distance is... Which is so far away you could fit every other planet in the solar system between us and the moon. Ranging from 0.06, I think that's the lowest one, yep, to the highest one is 0.72. So again, the distance between us and the moon is I'm so not far... Saying, I'm not saying that it's a... Yeah, I'm but that's saying... What I, and they've been spread apart by, what is it, we're now into March, so 60-odd... 70 days. They're just saying that it's close, according to Wikipedia. Yeah. At least I got my information from Wikipedia. But we've gone way off topic. We are going way off topic. We and need the to point get back is, <laughs> is that asteroids and stuff aren't that densely packed in the, in the asteroid belt and in the Kyber belt. Tell Russia that. Remember that asteroid that hit, that hit the ground and blew out all the windows? I believe it was in Russia. Yeah. But 2018, I think it was. Uh, or 2016. 2016, off the top of my head. Yeah, um, but that was a big asteroid. Yeah, but that is not representative of the asteroids in the asteroid belt that are fairly what? static and they're just moving around in that orbit. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> anyway, back I to don't the have boots. science here. <laughs> <laughs> I just have I just have my brain. But let's get back to the bootstrap because we should really be talking about this the time traveling thing. So maybe Elon Musk can develop time travel while we're at it. I'm not sure he's going to at this stage. It would be very helpful. Oh, hopefully. It would be very, very helpful. He's developed a car that can land on his wheels all the time. What? Yeah, the Teslas, if you have a crash and roll over, they land on their wheels. Well, that's helpful. It is very helpful. I think it would be better to try and create cars that don't have crashes in the first place, though. Well, <laughs> yeah, that would be good, Elon Musk, if you can actually... St- Make your cars see objects in front of them, and well, instead he is. Hit. Well, he is. Uh, no, we just don't have that level of autonomy yet. Well, I think there's an easy fix to it, but but that's a different show. Maybe we can talk about. Maybe we will. We we'll put it on the schedule. Anyway, uh, let's. So the bootstrap paradox. So the concept is is that um, a time traveler has taken the works of a person, person. back in time. Yep. And in this particular example, it's Shakespeare and his his copy of Hamlet. But it may not be Shakespeare. I know, that's what you're proposing. Um, and uh, Shakespeare has written down the, the contents of it and then published it as though it was his original work, whereas, in fact, he copied it from a book that was handed to him. Imagine if it was the Bible. <laughs> How is that any different? <laughs> well, I wonder who the time traveller is going to give it to. Well, there were many people who wrote the Bible. Exactly. And you've only got one time traveller. And and there have been multiple contributors over the... Over the number of loops. Unless the time traveller gave it to different people over every iteration. Yeah. I think you're missing the point of this one. Oh, I get it. But <laughs> it, I thought my Bible one was actually good. Well, to a point. <laughs> to, to, well, the, 
maybe the Bible was written by one person and then the time traveller took it and then all of a sudden we lost track of who actually the original author was. Well, when you studied the different types of construction of all the um, Paper. different books of the Bible, because the, the books of the Bible is, is a collection of letters. Um, from Theoretically, sorry, I should be saying, theoretically it's a collection of letters written by all the apostles. Um, but when you look at it, it's, um, it is then later on presented as one work because yep. theoretically it's meant to be written by God and it was transcribed or dicta- dicta- dictated by God and transcribed by all these people. Well, maybe God needs to have time traveller. Anyway, we are going to take a break <laughs> so that we can play some more music and when we come back uh, we will talk about uh, the two last ones because we've got two left and we're nearly out of time already. Oh, hang on. How did you have more? I've only got... Oh, I, I, I'm you, sorry. I found you it. You need to scroll. Yeah, apparently there's a whole... There's a one page just for one. I always put enough down in case we need to fill but, in the time. Uh, so so the, my page... I don't know what page it is, but there's a page that only has one of them. Well, I don't know what you've got. Uh, story... Pa- sto- sor- stor- anyway, let's go to a song. We'll talk about this off air. Okay. Uh, we'll be back after this. You're locked on to DRN1 live, uh, yeah, DRN1 United, I should say. You're locked on to DRN1 United uh, live. This is Soundbites. Hi, hi Peter. Hi, <laughs> Russell. Sorry, I'm flustered. Welcome back. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just see another five-minute song and I'm going, no way we're playing a five-minute song. Yeah. We don't have time for five-minute songs. What, where do you get all these really long songs from? Dance mixes. Oh, You know, okay. clubbing. Yeah. Oh, okay. But we should talk about the next one, which is the card paradox. Imagine you're holding a postcard in your hand, on one side of which is written, quote, the statement on the other side of this card is true, end quote. We'll call that statement A, then call, uh, then the card over, uh, sorry, turn the card over, and the opposite side reads, quote, the statement on the other side of this card is false, end quote. Trying to assign any truth to either statement A or B, however, leads to a paradox. If A is true, then B must be as well. But if B is to be true, then A has to be false. Oppositely, if A is false, then B must be false too, which it must ultimately make A true. That's right. You basically created a loop. That's right. So it's one of these um, sort of tautologies, if you like. So it's a... What I started off as an example, you know, how you trick the android by giving it an illogical proposition. You trick the Russell with that one. So there you go. So the the concept of this paradox, the card paradox, um, is, is that you have one statement that points to another statement, uh, and yet they both sort of cancel each other out. So in this one, it says... It's a false positive. Yeah, you could call it that. But, I, I, but, but it's a double false positive. Yeah, I, I, I think none of them are true <laughs> and none of them are false. I think they're just, they are what they are. But they're not standalone statements because they refer to each other. Doesn't matter, we'll make them standalone statements. <laughs> <laughs> I will saw the card in half okay. that way. <laughs> <laughs> like the famous magic trick. Yes. You'll saw it in half and... Uh. <laughs> and then you'll have half side each. How thickness, how thick was the card? <laughs> Because technically, a card is a layer is it's a number of layers of thickness of paper. 
Are we so, really going to get into the GMs, uh, GMS value, GSM, GSM, GSM value yep. of the card? If we have to, yes. Because <gasps> most paper is just GSM 80. So we're probably talking about GSM 40. Yeah, we could split that into two. This has really fallen into a rabbit yep. hole, hasn't it? Anyway, let's go into the next one because that, uh, one's, that one, I just think it just, it is what it is. But it, but it is a, is it's a good play on words because there is um you, you can actually use things like that uh, uh, to your advantage. Um, I don't know if you ever did you ever lawyers use it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. I can't talk about that. Um, but did you ever watch the movie The Dark Crystal? Oh, no, no, Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Sorry, no. Labyrinth. Okay. Um, uh, before my time. <gasps> I'm anyway, a, I'm eighty eight. Oh, it is. Paradox will just <laughs> on, move on, on. Hang on, hang on. What year was that movie coming out? Actually, that was in the 90s. Oh, okay. Well, not before well, my maybe time. Maybe it was in the 80s. <laughs> I'd have to look it up. Probably in the 86s. But <laughs> it doesn't a, matter. You could have watched it as a I child. Haven't, I haven't watched it. So, I will have to put it on my Netflix to watch. Labyrinth. So, there we go. Okay. So, let's move on to the next one. Authorities Paradox. I, it sounds like Doritos. <laughs> <laughs> don't know why. I looked at that word and I thought Doritos. <laughs> Oh, yeah, okay. Just put an S in front of it now. No, just change the S to a D and Doritos. Thorites paradox. Seriously, I, I'm hungry. Are you? <laughs> hungry, thirsty, tired, you know. It's been a long week. It's been a long week. Power long outage. Week. Western power needs to give me a jolt. <laughs> okay, read this one. So this one is about um, imagine having a, a, a pile of sand and you, you start taking out an individual grain of sand one at a time from this heap of sand that you've got. This is another one of those paradoxes which sort of says, so at what point does having, you know, removing single grains of uh, sand at a time mean you no longer have a heap of sand that you've, you know, do you have multiple... When you, lo- when you remove 99.99% of the sand... So if you have 100 sa- sand pieces and you remove 99 of the sand, you no longer have a... Hu- bunch of sand you have one sand so one more grain of sand makes two grains of sand a heap but once you remove that last totally. one and leave one behind then totally. you've only got a grain yep so you don't have a smaller heap no no you don't have any no wow just a uno of sand wow I, I, a grain of sand just like a grain of rice well, see, that's the other. There's another um, example which uses rice. Yep. If you have a mound of rice and you start removing one grain at a time, uh, or if you take a drop of uh, water out of the ocean and you just keep doing that, at what point does it no longer be an ocean? And uh, that well, that would never happen because the ocean replenishes itself because it would evaporate the the water from the from wherever you put in that water <laughs> and put it dump it back into the ocean. So. Yeah, no. You, you you reach conclusions quite easily. <laughs> totally about this one. I watched the Water Corp for that one. All right, let's go back to the sand then. Since you're quite I was going to say I was going to say about the rice one. That's a re- uh, Gina Reinhardt budget there. You you most probably don't know what I'm referencing. Uh, there was somebody who was there was talking a politician. About, oh yeah. Who yeah. who took rice and basically put piles of the GST they taking day. out, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I call that a budget. A, okay. <laughs> a rice budget. <laughs> um, but, no, I just think that you can't have a heap of sand if you only have one grain of sand. Right. But if you had two grains of sand, that's a heap? No, that's a, that's a 
that's two sands. Three sands, four sands, five sands. When you can no longer count the sands on your one hand. Or two hands. When you can no longer count sand. Because you're going to lose count counting sand. But if you've been putting them back, are you saying you're putting them back without counting? But you're going to count one, <laughs> two, That's three, the paradox. four. So, so this paradox is about at what point do definitions change? It's whenever I lose my mind and go, oh, screw this, here's a bunch of sand. Yeah, I, I think you're missing the point of the paradox. <laughs> it's not about patience or frustration. <laughs> <laughs> It's all about frustration with <laughs> Russell. Oh well, I just, I just think there has to be one sand to be a sand grain. A grain, yeah. And you can have two grains and three grains and four grains and five grains. You technically have a hundred grains, but that's not a heap of sand because there would have to be a measurement of another sand that could be classified as a heap of sand. So, what defines a heap of sand? The other heap of sand. So you're saying if you had, if I had a pile of a thousand sands grains and a pile of a hundred grains. The 1,000 grains is the heap of sands, and that's just a little bit of sand. A little bit of sand. Yeah. So at what point does 100 become – you're saying it has to be 1,000? Is that the I'm, – I'm just saying if, if all the – okay, if all the sand in the world was only 1,000 grains of sand, yeah, but you had that together, that's a heap of sand. Yeah. Because that's all the sand in the world. But then if you took 100 out of that 1,000, that's not a heap of sand. It's a heap of sand out of the heap of sand – but you couldn't do that because then you just make people go mad. So you go, that's a little pile of sand. That's a heap of sand. Get my logic? Until um, the, I don't until think what you're the, talking about is logic. Until the odds are 51% more in the little guy's favour. <laughs> so we'll, we'll call it pile A and pile B. Yeah. Pile A has, a has 100% at the moment, right? It's 100%. Ooh. If I take 10% out, yeah. the, the 90% that's left, pile A, is still the heap of sand. But as soon as I take out 51% from pile A and put it into pile B, pile B turns into a heap of sand. Because pile A has 49% of sand. So what does the 499 grains of sand become since you've taken out 51% of them? Just sand. Just <laughs> But if you put <laughs> one grain on... Then it comes into equilibrium. So you have two heaps. Yep, you have two heaps then. So you're saying that 500 grains of sand is a heap. Yep. So you've, you've created a definition for what a heap is. Yep, there you go. <laughs> that We got there eventually in 15 minutes. Uh, <laughs> that's why you love the show with me. Okay, <laughs> let's move over to uh, something about flying or flights. Uh, this is called the, the Fletcher. Fletcher Paradox. So about an arrow maker. That's right. Fletcher is the par- the arrow maker. Okay, so imagine a Fletcher, i.e. an arrow maker, has fired one of his arrows into the air. Will you catch it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. For the arrow to be considered to be moving, it has to be continuously rep- repositioning itself from the place where it is now to a place where it currently isn't. The Fletcher paradox, however, states that throughout its trajectory, the arrow is actually not moving at all at any given instance of no real duration. In other words, a snapshot in time. During its flight, the arrow cannot move to somewhere it isn't because there isn't and isn't time for it to do so. And it can't move to where it is now because it's already there. So for that instant in time, the arrow must be stationary. But because all time is comprised entirely of instances, in every one of which the arrow must also be stationary, 
then the arrow must be, in fact, be stationary the entire time. Except, of course, it ain't. Okay, I read out the long one. Um, <laughs> I thought it was quite brave of you to pick that one to read out. <laughs> so think of it. So to, put it, to, to put it simply, so have you ever done one of those flip book cartoons? Yes, and they, they the cartoon moves, but you really stickly, you're moving all the paper, but it looks like it's staying still. That's it. Yeah, well, so. I think that that Fletcher needs to go and get another bow and arrow, maybe get a gun, and see if that works. So, I get what it's saying. Basically, <laughs> as a as a as you're moving it, like me moving this mic, which is not a good idea. Yeah. For each move, it is stationary because t- every time you move, you have to technically be stationary. Otherwise, you're like it does make sense. Yeah, but it doesn't. But it does. No, because it's also the arrow is in motion. So it is in motion from the point. Think stop film. That's how it's, that's how it makes sense. Yeah, but that's that's only half the paradox. The second part of the paradox is is that you're you're saying that if you stop at any one of those pages If we could pause time we would. The, <laughs> <laughs> the time traveller needs to design time pause. Don't bring in a time traveller. <laughs> Don't bring in time travel. <laughs> I think we should. No. Because time traveler. I, no. There's going to be more issues than time traveler. Um, so. So, back to the arrow. I think that the arrow technically could be paused and stationary if we pause time. We can never decide whether we pause time because we will never know if we can pause time. But if I can pause a movie on TV, then I'm pausing time. Right. The and thing it's is not the- saying whether this arrow is in a movie or not. Yeah, it's not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm trying uh, to use logic, people. Yeah, that's not logic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> think of logic as being the exact opposite of what you're doing right now. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, is that the sound effects reel that you bought for this yeah. show? <laughs> All of the budget spent on this show. <laughs> yeah, there goes the special effects budget for the year. Boing! <laughs> So the paradox is so the paradox is is that whilst you could think of it as stop motion and something that um, at any particular point in time occupies just one point in space, but the reality is is that the arrow is actually moving. So where it is going is going to be a place that it isn't, and where it is is a place that it will soon be vacating. So it's always in motion. Go. <laughs> It's always in motion, right? So this is the paradox. It's always in motion, but as you said... Except for just then when you were... No, because I was waiting for you to say something, and possibly about time travel. What was last week's thing that you kept focusing on? <laughs> Me forgetsies. So, good. Um, so, <laughs> so the thing uh. is, is that both things could potentially be correct. You could either think of it as stop motion. Yes. And so it's a sequence of multiple uh, events that where the arrow is not moving. But the yeah. fact that the arrow does tra- pass a certain trajectory means that it is in motion. Or we could just think it's a bunch of atoms moving in the air because everything's an atom. Technically, I'm right. <laughs> Under a technicality, I'm right because everything is made from atoms. Yeah, but... <laughs> Air is made of of air, atoms. Vacuums is not made of atoms. Uh, for starters, because it's a quick. It's it contains nothing. Um, yeah, I've never understood how we're we're floating on nothing. The galaxy Earth is floating 
on nothing. We're not floating on nothing. We're in motion. But we're technically on nothing. If, if the vacuum of a space, this is a different topic altogether, but a vacuum of space has nothing, how are we not falling? We're not <laughs> where, where would we be falling to? I don't know. That's the thing. Because gravity... Oh, well, there God. is no gravity in space. Of course there is. Everything that has mass oh, has sorry, gravity. The, the sun is sucking us in. And we have gravity. In, individually, we yes, have gravity because we have mass. But Earth must be very light because it's floating in, in the vacuum of space. It's not floating anywhere. There's no floating going on. <laughs> none of the stellar bodies, none of the asteroids, none of nothing that has mass is floating. It's all either in motion around a body that... Okay, so we're going really, really fast like a bullet. We are going actually very, there very you go. fast, but not as fast as a bullet. Well, maybe we are. No, we're not. Hold on. If you put in... If you, if you put a bullet next to Earth and you fire it, is it going as fast as Earth? No, because we're in a corkscrew motion as well. Okay, so you put the bullet in the cor- same corkscrew motion. Well, you see, you then have to decide which frame of reference you want to measure our speed because we're also in motion around the sun, which is also in motion around um, the spiral arm of the galaxy. I was going to say, don't say the Earth. And the galaxy, our galaxy is also in motion in comparison to all the other galaxies and we're okay, all Mr. in a, at an expanding... Okay, Mr. Science Guy. Well, you asked and... <laughs> <laughs> That's the. If any of you are listening, are going what the? Welcome to the sound bites. Yeah, where this basically is this bites. is this. <laughs> where the little bits of the show is actually what makes up the show. <laughs> <laughs> but if you removed a little bit and replaced it with a new bit, would it still be sound bites? Like dear old Theus's Oh my paradigm. goodness! I, I don't know. I have to the edit the show. <laughs> um, let's talk about another one because really? we. Yeah, why not? <laughs> We got time. <laughs> this has not gone the way I thought it would go. Really? Yeah. Well, Does any show go the way that you I thought? Don't it would go? even. Yeah, I've lost the ability to predict how this is going to turn out. <laughs> I think it's actually quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing my head off. I need a paradox. So uh, we got some in the paradox <laughs> cupboard. Okay, so uh, the dot. I got the dichotomy paradox. Thank you. So the di- <laughs> the what? The di- dichotomy? Di- dichotomy. Uh, why is it spelled so weird? It doesn't have a K in it. It doesn't need one. <laughs> the CH together produces the K sound. Oh, dichotomy. I thought it should have a K where the H is. Well, dichotomy. <laughs> then it would have a very sharp K sound with the C in front of it. Well, it's not dichotomy. <laughs> so imagine that you're about to set off walking down a street. I see you like, I'm not touching that with Temple Bowl. I'm moving on before you start referencing other words that have a CK in it. Oh. Like duck. <laughs> okay, I thought you were going to go somewhere totally different. Doc. <laughs> Dick. So to reach the other end, you first have to walk halfway there. And to walk halfway there, you then have to walk a quarter of the way there. And to walk a quarter of the way there, you then have to walk an eighth of the way there, and so on. Okay, and so, so this on. this this is all about length and time and and relativity. Time and uh, motion. Yeah. Well, I just think if you take one step, you've already taken the end step. <laughs> this isn't a twelve-step program. So what it is? What it's? <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> what it's saying is so. So the <laughs> dichotomy be. paradox is it states that every motion that we take. Um, whether it's swinging around in a chair, walking across the street. Um, You've already done that 100% of the time. Well, what it's saying is, is that every, every motion you take can be divisible 
by its motion. An infinite amount of time. Exactly. So well, that's what I meant. If you take one step, you're already done. But if you would Because you've reached 100% no, but if of you, that step. If you're performing an infinite number of steps, then that would suggest that you never come to the end of it. But yeah, clearly well, you do. You would be dead. Unless you're a robot and you could go infinite number of steps. Has anyone had an infinite number of anything? Well, no, because you wouldn't come to the end of it. You'd still be performing it. Well, life has to end sometime, doesn't it? That's why there's no infinite. Infinity has never been proven. What makes you say that? Well, as a, as a, as there, a is, there is the end of oxygen because it's trapped in our, our Earth. Yeah. The end of s- the space because yeah. scientists say there is. It hasn't been proven. Yes, but it the, has. Oh, it hasn't? Okay, <laughs> well, there you go. What's at the end of the space? Well, there's, there's the, the boundary. The so after all the galaxies and all the other stuff, there has to be... Well, what you're talking about is heat death. So the, the theory is... So this is beyond... So this so we've left the dichotomy paradox. Not really, not really, because we're talking about distance and length and infinite yeah, so infinity. Over a period of time... Um, one of the, one of the um, well, it's, not a, it's not a proposal. It's not a theory. It's, it's actually what we know because that eventually we will come to the point where there'll be no more stars because they'll have all used up all their fuel and burnt out, yeah. turned into black holes, and then those black holes will one day exhaust themselves, and then there will be nothing left. We actually did discuss this on another episode, which I just remembered about, where oh, we were good. talking about elasticity of the galaxy and how it's going out, and then it will retract and collapse on well, itself. That's one theory that it. Will eventually God, see, I did learn something retract. from the show. See, I want this show to have some educational value for me. Well, f- <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but okay. Well, in that case, uh, from uh, talk t- about this walking down the street, reaching the other end, and uh, your uh, yeah, so first the, what half. The, what the walk. paradox is 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 that um, whilst you could mathematically divide everything uh, and continue to divide it, um, it would appear then that. Everything requires an infinite number of steps. Or, or well, that's why I'm thinking that the galaxy going all the way out and then retracting back on in on itself is technically an infinite number of. St- no, because then that has an end. Whilst it's very it far into not, the future, but it may not. Because well, we don't know what's going to happen. Does does your steps come back to you at the end of it? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> guess steps might have been the bad one to say, but you know, like technically, let's. Uh, let's, but, let's how big is how big are we in this galaxy? <laughs> what? Okay, that's a different topic. <laughs> I, even though I realised that. You know, if there's an asteroid hitting this way, I really hope it lands on me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen carefully <laughs> to what I just said. Yeah, I, I realised what I just said. Didn't sound really smart, did it? <laughs> so the the concept is is that any uh, simple function that we do so whether it's swing around a chair go yeah so whatever those actions are even though they have a a, a, a defined beginning and end you could keep dividing the the steps involved to get okay. to the end infinitely so the paradox so is there is still an end have, <laughs> so the paradox is how can you have <laughs> How can you have an infinite number of steps in something that is actually very finite? I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, can someone make a TV you show know, about there's, me? There's not going to be a part two of this. This is it. We're doing paradoxes once only and never again. <laughs> Why? Because it's too difficult? No, it's just challenging beyond my comprehension. 
<laughs> Take it that you know school takes you out. Uh, this is what this is what I was like at school. Okay, uh, we got a few more and we got time, so let's keep. We? Yeah, oh, we do. Uh, the more you fall, fail, the more likely you are to succeed. Uh, that is a false statement uh, because you just have to look at me. Um, no, but it's true from the point of view as if when you start cra- crawling and you start walking, you fall down and you you stuff up. When you start riding the bike, you fall over, you get back on, you keep going. Yeah, so Sooner or later, you will succeed. Yeah, so Maybe. Th- <laughs> <laughs> so this is, t- a, this is a, a, a paradox <laughs> based on a play of words. So yes, obviously true. the, 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 um, the uh, premise is, is that, you know, you, you will fail frequently, but somehow by continuously failing, you will lead to success. Well, technically a fail is a, a, fail is a success. If you go by the th- assumption that you're always learning, you can't say that's not a success. But then you're assuming that every time you fail, you've learned something from it. Don't you? You can fail and still not learn things. Some people repeat their mistakes frequently. Well, they're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> like me. <laughs> well, no, we've, seen okay. that, we've seen that through, you know, we call it cognitive dissonance. So even though you're told something is not good for you, you still do it, like smoking and... Well, there's nothing wrong with smoking. What are you talking about? What do you base that on? <laughs> you remember, some of our listeners might be smoking. Uh, <laughs> the medical... Marijuana. doesn't say it's not good for you or all good for you, or for that matter. We don't know. There's, uh, there's people that believe there is good marijuana. Yeah, but belief doesn't... Produce evidence, and it doesn't lead to fact. Well, we'll find out in... Or supported belief. We'll find out in 200 years. Okay, When the scientists tell us... I'm I'm setting my watch. Yeah, so am I. Okay, the more afraid you are of death, the less you'll be able to enjoy life. It's so true. That's a good little statement. It's such a... So so true. I do like that one. Trust me, I've been shocked. Literally. So... uh, Oh, yes. (laughs) So I, can, right. I, I was wondering what you're talking about, but you had to I, have the. I had to have the paddles. Yeah, the. And start. I can tell you, I was shitting myself. Excuse me, senses. <gasps> um, I was absolutely pooping myself. Uh, <laughs> before that happened, and uh, yes, until you know that death is on your door, you can't enjoy life. Yeah. So that's true. Uh, you, uh, the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. Now, this is a philosophical paradox. This one's an interesting one because I tell you now, I know a lot, but I don't know everything. Doesn't that then validate the statement? It's that the more you learn, the more you realise. It's like that card one. On one side is true, the oh, other yeah, side is yeah, false. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. See, I'm learning. You ah. are learning. Yeah. See, the more you learn, the more you realise, the more, more little you did you know. Uh <laughs> Okay, can an omnipointed what? Um, omnipotent. Oh, not omnipointed people, just uh, omnipotent. An omnipotent, just like me, uh, I think. <laughs> Dictionary definition. Uh, omnipotent means you can do anything. Oh well, I can't. Uh, I can. <laughs> you try. I, I know you try. You're very, uh, you're very try busy. To. Very busy person. But can an omnipotent uh, be <laughs> create a rock too heavy for itself to lift? So a person that can do everything, anything, can could it li- create a rock that's too heavy for it to lift? The answer is no. <gasps> but then it can't do everything, which means it's not omnipotent. 
Or it doesn't have omniscient powers. Then maybe it always creates a heavier rock. <laughs> so it's always lifting up the heaviest rock. And the rock, as it's lifting, gets heavier. And as it gets heavier to not lift, it lifts it higher. And it creates a loop. There, there, there wasn't a loop in that. It, because no matter how the rock's weight increases, if it can continue to lift it, Okay, I'll put it in a balloon scenario. Oh, Imagine the the person or the thing has the balloon in its mouth and it's pumping up the balloon and it's able to lift it. As it's creating the rock, or the balloon in this case, it's getting heavier with whatever it's breathing into it and it's still able to lift it. So it keeps breathing into this rock or this balloon in my case and it makes it heavier and heavier and heavier. Right. Until it supposedly can't lift it, but then it's able to lift it because it's repeating the loop of I'm making it heavy. Now I've got the strength to lift it. Then I'm making it more heavier. Then it's, it's you know, like. The iterations it, and the multitude of iterations isn't the question or the issue. Well, I'm just saying it is. No, I know you are. You're <laughs> introducing new stuff that isn't actually relevant to the paradox. Well, I'm making my own paradox oh, called s- the Russell Paradox. Uh, <laughs> that's about <laughs> the third for tonight. Uh, we should just talk about the last one because we do have to wrap it up. Oh. Uh, I told you we'll get through them all. Yeah. Uh, the Fermi Paradox. Now, this uh, is now. the one we spoke about in our oh, alien series. This one, yes. Where are all the aliens? Where are they all? So Why did we not start on this one? This would have been the whole show. <laughs> No, because last time we tried to talk about the Fermi Paradox, we talked about everything but the Fermi Paradox. So (laughs) I thought it's a bookend to sort of tie this one up uh, and to mention that Fermi's Paradox is still out there. So the concept of is if there are all these alien civilizations and all these Earth-like planets and you know, and there are and there are so many of them in the ranging in the billions. Where are they? Where are they? I don't Why know. can't we see them? Why can't we find well, them? What see, are they doing? See, I know Where that are they I know you disagree with me, but they do, scientists, at least the ones I've seen, or not seen but heard, do believe that there are creatures on Earth that are aliens. I would ask for a list, but then... I will try to find a list yeah, for you please to, do. During, during the I, week. I want to see who these uh, scientists because are who claim that there are aliens on Earth. There are certainly people who claim that there are aliens on Earth. I'm just searching while we're... Well, we're <laughs> animals on Earth. Because they're animals. animals. Well, they're alien animals on Earth. So, uh... So, uh... What do you define as an alien first? Because I, I, I think that needs to be clarified. Space.com. Earth's, quote, alien creatures may reveal clues about. That's space.com. It has to be real. Know who owns space.com? I'll tell you in a second. No, but sorry, what was the headline? Because you sort of read out fragmented bits of it. Uh, so Earth's, quote, alien, end quote, creatures may reveal cl- clues about extraterrestrial life. Well, that's not. A statement confirming that there's aliens alive here on Earth. But they're classifying them as aliens. Why are they classifying these animals as aliens if they're not... If they're talking about microbial life that they found on asteroids or the potential for microbial life to be on these asteroids... They're talking about a a tarot... Tartigrade. That's the one, thank you. (laughs) 
You were trying to say, but I couldn't. I couldn't pronounce it. Like I've never heard this word before. Yeah. A tardigrade. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. A tardigrade. Yeah, well, tardigrades are earthbound. But what we found is, is that they don't. Yeah, you know, even if they take them up in the space shuttle or the rockets and let them loose on the um, space station, space station, and even outside the space station, they don't die. Exactly, they're aliens. No. If they don't need Earth's atmosphere to live. That's not the They're definition alien. of an alien. Well, that's my definition of an alien now. Well, you can't just apply your own definition to then verify your own outcome, your <laughs> conclusion. How does it breathe? That's self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, that's because I'm God. <laughs> Are you omnipotent? Can you create a rock so heavy that you can't lift it? No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> well, then you're not omnipotent. Damn. So I'm not God? Well, to us you are. Oh, lovely. Well, on that <laughs> note, people, since we've all just determined that I am God, and that means I need to put an end to this whole well, show. Well, <laughs> let's, let's not go too crazy with that one. <laughs> we are going to end it here. Thank uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're welcome, my son. <laughs> we'll see you next week where we might talk about the tardigrades. Tardigrades. <laughs> That's the thing I'm talking about. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your friends about it, and just just tell them it's the nut job I want. You want to listen to the, to the show where really if you're not confused before you start listening to the show. You definitely will be afterwards. <laughs> uh, no wonder why our ratings are through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> It's a very low roof. <laughs> we'll see you next time right here on DRM on United for Soundbites. I've been Russell. And I'm Peter. <laughs> Bye for now. Bye-bye.